0: Little show entry thing with the bread and the it was really hard to get all those logos stamped into the bread like that. It was hard, but anyway, welcome to another Matt Chat Live Dailies. And I am with a great friend of mine. We've known each other for I don't know, more than a year, I'm sure. Uh, Chris and I have. And um, we've tried to do a show for more than a year together. <laughs> we're, finally, we're finally here. And folks, just to give you a little idea, if you don't know who Chris is yet, um, he was a TEDx speaker. So he's better than me already. Um, He has a company called Involve Me, which I can't wait to hear about that. And I want to understand your logo. I'll talk about your logo a little bit later. Um, An advisor in new ways of working change. And folks, here's the deal. I mean, he's also, he's really a Jedi Knight. Maybe a Stormtrooper. I'm not sure. Which one
1: are you? Probably more on the light side, I would have said. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so, too. He's pretty amazing.
0: <laughs> we might talk about that a little bit, too. Welcome to the show today, Chris. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, why don't you give, like, the real version of Chris Bramley that's uh, much better than what I would say to folks?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible um, with explaining stuff in, like, an elevator pitch, but uh, there, there are basically there are a number of things that I, I work on, and that's part of working on myself. It's also part of helping people. And helping companies um so really the three core areas are learning that learning is is my biggest thing right humans are learning machines we're here to learn every day there are opportunities every day we are remarkably good at ignoring those opportunities a lot of the time um, and yeah. that's yeah. where you get complacency and all sorts of other things right so learning is a really big thing for me um, but it actually underpins pretty much everything else that we do um in business and our personal lives you know so you've got things looking at kind of engagement and how we interact with each other and uh, some of the kind of decision making narratives personal stories all this kind of stuff so that's really useful for companies and individuals and then kind of the second side to that or another part to that is um i work with complexity theory so complex adaptive systems theory um, the one that i work with is called kinevin yeah, it's it's, it's it's not as bad as it sounds. Like, I like to use the long <laughs> title, so I sound super impressive. And, you know, when I say it with my Star Wars bad guy voice, it, it sounds even more impressive. Um but, <laughs> Yeah, so so complexity theory is actually, um, it's just about how humans make decisions and how we kind of understand the world around us and how we try to order things around us. Um, and we've done this, you know, throughout well, all of the time we've been around, basically, we look at the world and we look at what's going on. And, you know, this is how we kind of learned to collaborate. We said, I want to order this world around me to suit me or suit us. And after a certain point, you need other people to help you do that, right? Which is where (laughs) tribes come into it and all sorts of other stuff. So complexity theory is really about how do we make decisions? How do we think about things strategically? How do we innovate? How do we disrupt things? How do we find new pathways to success, you know, how do we douse our, our real context and understand where we really are? So that's pretty yeah, That's pretty
0: amazing, that's pretty yeah. amazing stuff yeah. for sure.
1: Um,
0: and I think yeah, one, one of our conversations, not too long ago, I uh, created a new uh, tool called the uh, fifth gear, which is the conscious competence of unconscious competency. So it's a way to unpack that in the four stages of learning. And uh, I reached out to you because of that whole complexity thing, because I was doing the eight cognitive skills hmm. as a breakdown into how to implement that tool in your own life. Without going into all that today, it's because it's complex. But, you <laughs> know, I said, "Hey, who, who can I talk to you about this for some ideas? Oh, I know who to call and to call you about it. And you gave me some insight there. I appreciate that. But um, that was good. So. You know, what's a a day in the life of Chris Bramley like out there in the, uh, here I am in the old US and you're you're over there in UK and uh, we're both kind of sequestered to our homes and uh, I mean, we can get out and have life, but it's just not the same, obviously, uh, which causes a lot of frustration in people, um, tension for sure. Uh, Things are just not, uh, well, I hate to say normal because people use that word too much, but things just feel different, you know, how about that? So things just feel different. And some folks just don't know what to do with it. Right. So I think you you have the opportunity to speak into that a bit though, don't you?
1: Yeah. I mean we we are very much in a new or facing a new paradigm. You know, it's the the only constant in life is the fact that change happens pretty much, or taxes and debt, however you want to look at it. Um, (laughs) but um you know, the, the, one of the problems that we have as, as humans who like to order the world around us, who like to explore better ways of doing things or whatever, we, we love all of that stuff. But, you know, one of the first things I said in my TEDx is, you know, we are basically one of the most adaptable creatures on the planet and we excel at change. But we kind of hate it, even though we say we like it and we do like change. We also love comfort And we get very easily complacent and we build up patterns around this, right? So humans, humans create patterns that mentally, in terms of rituals, in terms of, you know, how we live, whatever we do, we like to get up at the same time every day. We like to kind of do the same thing on morning ablutions and whatever else. And, you know, it's, we're very strange creatures because we're not, we don't only have these aspects, but we've also got. The fact that we are these fiercely competitive lone individual creatures for, like, yes, I'm a lone wolf and whatever, but actually we love to do things socially as well. Otherwise, we wouldn't have what we call a society, right? And, and we right. have right. societies. Or Facebook. Or, 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 or. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. But we, we we form tribes, um, and we do this pretty unconsciously. So at the moment, coming back to what you were asking me, you know, what, what do I do? What do I see at the moment. The U.S. and the U.K. both have their own peculiar brands of chaos in in various areas, I think. Um, Although it's kind of not so much chaos anymore. Like you you can't. So in complexity theory, you can't remain in crisis or in chaos indefinitely. Like you look at it like this. The waveform collapses at some point and order will emerge because there will always be some form of equilibrium that that comes out out of chaos. Right. When a building is falling, it's chaos and everything's going everywhere. But eventually every piece will come to rest where it does. That doesn't mean it's good or bad, but it'll end up where it does. And then you've got to work out ways of, I don't know, digging yourself out or cleaning it up or whatever you're doing. Um, yeah,
0: I guess it would be bad if the piece of the ceiling fell on your head, but that's a whole other story. <laughs>
1: that, yeah, that, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't be. I, so one of the things I like to say is there is no failure. There is only feedback. Um, some feedback can be terminal, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So, you you know, as as you fall off a cliff, I do rock climbing. One of the many things I do is, you know, um, and and as you're falling, and by the way, I'm terrified of heights, but as you're falling, um, you are getting feedback that what you did was not very good. And and you, you probably don't have a lot of learning that you can do when you hit the ground. But if you survive, the likelihood of you doing it again is very low. Let's put it that way.
0: Well, we've always thought oh, yeah. that, um, you know, it's not it's not the fall that kills you. It's just the sudden stop.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Think, and, and the other part to that being I'm actually not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of depths. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good. That's good. You'll find, folks, we have all kinds of little phrases we can throw back and forth with each other. It's so funny. So fun, so fun. So what are some things you've been able to, um, I mean, have... I mean, there's a certain pattern that you obviously follow and a certain type of uh, mindset and mentality, a different way of coaching, things you've written out. Have you had to um, readjust anything in the past eight months or so? Or, you know, because in some cases, you don't really have to readjust. Somebody asked me uh, today in the LinkedIn message, like, hey, how are you doing? And how have you been able to cope with everything in the past few months with everything going on? I'm like, honestly, I just still do what I do. I just now do more of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I have been able to do a few adjustments, obviously, because of certain things that we are experiencing at the moment. Um, But it doesn't mean the things that I thought of don't apply. So, you know, have you found some of those things in your case as well, that some of the stuff can be used more, but now you found, wow, I can probably tweak this a bit more to speak towards this thing or, you know, how's that look for you?
1: It's been very interesting, actually, because there have been some significant shifts in some aspects. So, for example, um, a lot of coaching previously was very much in person, was very much, you know, let's kind of um, meet up. And especially when I was doing stuff like, you know, agile coaching, lean coaching, like, you know, culture um kind of not redesign redesign is the wrong word basically everything that i've always done is sustainably helping other people discover their own pathways to success which not every consultant coach does and i think that there are fundamental misunderstandings across a lot of industries of what a coach actually is there for you know a coach really isn't there to do work like if you have a football or soccer or however you want to put it a coach on the field he's not the best player he hasn't maybe the most experienced, the, the best breadth and depth of understanding. But what a coach actually does is make the people who are the best even better at what they do. That's what a yeah. coach is prepared for. That's a great way to be
0: Especially in today's culture with, uh, you know, the whole COVID thing. Now, you have
1: so many people that think,
0: you know what? I'm going to be a coach. <laughs> They just don't, oh, don't yes. the,
1: don't the, the number of, of complexity and life coaches that have mysteriously appeared um, has been quite high in, yeah. <laughs> in the eight months, I'd say, and and there's nothing wrong with it, but um, but I think that when that kind of it, what that's done is actually produce a kind of a, a wall of white noise. Like you go on LinkedIn now, and it's it's very hard to actually. Reach people in the same way. So work has significantly shifted for me there because you know I was speaking to corporations at like C-suite level at you know um, VP or director or whatever level it is, talking about how I could help with culture and how I could help with this and that and the other. And you now have people. There are so many people doing it and saying it and offering bits and pieces online and whatever. It's you know even if you have value, and, and many of us have value. It, it kind of gets lost a little bit in the noise and that's a bit of a shame because when, when we're in a moment of deep uncertainty and you can offer ways to find new certainty, new ways of doing things, seizing the chance for radical change in the middle of radical change, you know, <laughs> these kind of things, what that you need to do to survive. And a lot of people have come and said, you know, we can help you go back to how things were, which isn't, really a thing at the moment so it's very it's become more difficult to get the message across that actually adaptation so there's a thing i've got a little i've got lots of little drawings but i've got a little diagram of of what agility is right not so not capital a agile but agility in in, um, kind of overall and you know it's not enough to just respond or react and response and react are slightly different right reaction can be quite reflective but a response can be quite measured but For the purposes of this, responding, reacting. But you also have to have the ability to change or adapt and the ability to repurpose or exapt. And exaptation in biology is a radical repurposing of something that you already have. Anytime you upcycle a pallet into a coffee table, you're actually exapting something, for example
0: innovation
1: yeah and that but that's where innovation comes from you know the when you look at, at stuff super glue was never never designed to be a glue it was originally designed to be a kind of acrylic type gun site for guns in world war ii and it just stuck to everything they were like well this is rubbish and we kind of threw it away <laughs> and then in the 70s they were like well maybe we can use this for you know aircraft canopies and then um, one of the guys who was there stuck two prisms together and was like okay this is annoying and then somebody else said why is it annoying we should really be selling this stuff as a glue and that's where super glue came and so super glue was a brand for a long time it was actually the name of the, the glue right. itself yeah, right. now, and the lie the yeah. even if it's not super glue everybody calls it yeah. super glue well, uh, how, uh, so i don't that's know like how band-aid. many people like the same thing it, it's the same in the uk like we call a vacuum cleaner a hoover because
0: well, yeah, I saw that on a, on a British uh, show I was watching the other day. I love The Repair Shop, by the way. It's my favorite show now. I love The Repair Shop. Yeah, but, it's good. But somebody said, uh, oh, what's the matter? Did, you, did it get stuck in the Hoover? And they said, did oh, they yes, they're they're stuck in the Hoover. <laughs> And I'm like, does everybody own a Hoover in the UK? <laughs> I mean, they got a great yeah. deal in the UK. But now you're telling me it's just what everybody calls a vacuum. So, yeah, by, yeah. so, so Hoover is, is just a brand name. And yeah, you're yeah. used to
1: calling it whatever the brand name
0: is. That's so awesome. I just yeah. learned something new. Oh, that's cool. So how have you been able to apply some of these things in what you're doing? Uh, because obviously work is tough for a lot of people. And yeah. you're right, a lot of white noise. And uh, LinkedIn has been doing a lot of things to uh, to throttle back things on the on the platform, which has been quite annoying, I must say. But um, Agreed. They have, yeah, it's been quite, quite annoying um i i see what the greater purpose is Uh, of course they just rolled out a new new look and they've got a few other things coming out now they added stories here in the in america finally they had it launched already over in i think india and other places first but um to me it's like oh great now more stuff i need to keep up with as a content creator on linkedin um which is fine but oh my lord so There's so many things to do now, so much to show, so much to say, and everybody's doing this, everybody's doing that. And you and I both have a a consulting and coaching business. Um, Mm -hmm. So how have you been able to adapt or have you been able completely to adapt um, to this new vibe that's going on with all the noise and all the people? It's not, I don't care about competition. I don't care if I want people to be successful, Um, but not at the point where, my voice gets lost you know mm. and for some folks um i know for a fact that i talk to a lot of folks and they feel as if their voices is, is lost or muffled or you know whatever right so i mean especially on linkedin i would i would say you know we're primarily here on linkedin all this show goes to uh, to all the platforms but primarily you know it's linkedin for me so mm-hmm. what what's that been like for you especially as the kind of guy as you are with what you do and and your coaching and consulting
1: it it has very much been like shouting into the wind recently, um, you know. So uh, companies are throttling back in terms of getting people who aren't fully, you know, full employees. In jobs are very scarce, obviously. So everybody, certainly in the UK, I don't know how bad it is in the US, but in the UK, coaching uh, and consulting, for example, was one of the few areas which. It's kind of a strange juxtaposition, really. The the UK government's been saying, look, things are are dire. We need people who can help businesses and who can really kind of, you know, get them to understand that things have changed and there's uncertainty. Uh, And then we're one of the few sectors that has just had zero help from the government at all, like literally nothing. Um, And so that's been difficult because a lot of people are, are struggling there. New clients are much harder to come by because companies are still, you know, it, it, it's a very understandable thing. When you are in a difficult situation, the last thing you're thinking is, oh, I should go and spend more money. But actually sometimes you really do have to. You need outside context. You need somebody who can help guide you. Because so one of the things that I say I'm sure you've heard me say it many times, right? It it's hard to navigate when you're too close to the sun. It's just a, <laughs> half the universe is fire, you know, so you, you really sometimes in, in, in desperate situations, you need somebody who can look at you and say from the outside, here's where you really are and here's how you can move forward. Here are some emergent pathways. Here are some serendipity that you're not seeing, but it, it's going to require a little bit of work and change and you're going to have to commit to this because if you, you know, if you just sit where you are, you're going to die. a lot of companies are just sitting where they are. They're cutting even more redundancies, management team swap outs in crisis and all the kind of responses that feel right, but aren't right in this kind of situation. So for me, it's been difficult because I've lost quite a a few of my clients um, have just said, we're we're just throwing all the stuff we were doing before to make ourselves better out the window because we're, I mean, I haven't said this, but I know why it is that they're frightened. And especially... When you look at people in charge of a company at a strategic level, you know, they've been taught for 150 years plus Taylorism, control, do things in a waterfall fashion, in a very ordered fashion, you know, cause and effect and blah, blah, blah. And of course, that's that most companies have never worked that way somehow, but most haven't. It's been popular while it worked and now it doesn't work. It, the only pattern that they have to default to is command and control is more micromanagement is I need to be on every Zoom call because I need to make sure you're working. If you don't look busy, I'll give you something to do and all of this kind of stuff. Now, the interesting thing is we've actually moved to a different paradigm now in terms of work, where for the first time, probably in, in industry, businesses have been forced to start looking at people in terms of the outcomes that they achieve, not the hours that they work and the output that they give, mm-hmm. do you achieve it? Because you can't monitor them at home 24-7, although some companies are kind of installing software on laptops and whatever else, which is not a good way to go culturally. You've been
0: in the back for quite a long time, what are you doing in there?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It seems to be a long toilet break, are you? <laughs> like a had match. Had for a while. Light a match. <laughs> Yeah, so then you get people doing things like you know turning the kitchen tap on and leaving it for twenty minutes so that it sounds like they just had a lot of coffee or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs>
0: like my God, this person needs help. Yeah. He needs a raise. <laughs> we got to help this person out.
1: Somebody put him on a drip. I think he's dehydrated.
0: <laughs> no, no pun intended with the drip. So I think about a lot of you know you're talking about corporations, and I and and I think that you know it's a bigger scale, but let's bring it down to. Uh, we call it America mom and pop shops, right? I'm sure you mm-hmm. you may do the same analogy there. But for local small businesses, and for myself, I've owned I've owned several uh, local small businesses. And although I'm uh, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur and I can I try to think outside of the box, you know, try to figure out different ways. But at some point, mm-hmm. you may to pull the plug on your dream because there's no business, no money, or not enough and you've, you've social mediaed yourself out. Nobody reads the newspaper anymore. It's the radio's kind of useless. So, and that's expensive. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's poor to be creative, but honestly, there's folks that are just having to say, I don't know what else to do. I, I'm going to yeah. lose everything. Yeah, uh, and It's really frustrating for some folks that are really good people and they have good businesses and, and they're loved by people in their communities. But not loved enough that they're all going to say, we want to pay your mortgage this month or your rent this month. Or, no, you
1: know? no it, it's it's a very tough time. And I think part of this is kind of linked to the the business thing. Um, part of how we've been led here is some of the late stage capitalism that we've been going through. So, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with um, kind of a lot of base capitalism and, and being able to own your own assets and working hard and reaping the rewards and so on. Um, I think there is something wrong when, it starts getting to the point where the only value that exists is profit. And, mm-hmm. you know, human values and all the other values just, just vanish. And, it you know, large corporations are quite happy to squeeze out the, the mum and pop shops that yes. just yeah. can't compete. And they can compete up to a point, but where a, a large corporation has resilience only because of the fact it's now too large to die, essentially. Um, you don't get that kind of resilience in a small business that's just, just about making it month to month or week to week even you know so mm-hmm. it, it's it's very difficult and the other thing as well is that uh, i think we talked about this a little while ago we we've also been and i said this before the actual pandemic but we're in the middle of a pandemic of um toxic positivity of the perfect happiness social media shows perfection here's me here's my instagram here's how perfect i am and, and, you know, uh, there are so many hollow phrases that we've just got used to saying, don't worry about it, it'll be fine, trust the process. Now I'm fine with all of these things appropriately, but they get used as platitudes that have no meaning. And they start becoming a problem when, you know, sometimes being realistic is seen as negative and, and there's nothing wrong with actually being realistic because it lets you ground yourself and say, here is where I really am, and what I need to do is start looking at the most positive way forwards from here. If you're denying where you are, that's not a good type of positivity. That's a that's a bad thing to to. That's an illusion. Exactly right. So, and I think also that there's been it, it's very difficult when we're all under a lot of, of pressure. There's a lot of mental health issues. There's a you know not a lot of psychological safety for a lot of people at the moment. Um, which is an important part of being able to learn. So, you know, when you've got, um, uh, you know, you've got your, your uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And, and people are saying, you should be at the top and this is your opportunity to learn whatever. I'm like, people aren't there. A lot of people are at the bottom surviving. You haven't got the opportunity to be like bright and breezy and I can learn new things when you are literally struggling to survive. You yeah. can mm-hmm. learn things under duress, but it is not necessarily the best way i mean think about how you learn to swim right you might throw people you might do the the cone and the barbarian style thing of throwing all the kids in the deep end and, walking me, out. and the ones that survive are the strong and, and whatever but if you want everyone to be able to learn to swim you learn to swim with like your, you know your little wings and, and and you go deeper and deeper as you learn and so it's an incremental process where you put yourself a little bit outside your comfort zone but not so much that you're into panic and and problems and, and whatever else. Psychological safety is an important thing. Mental health is really important as well. And I think, you know, trying to get people to who are struggling to survive to see new opportunities is is hard. You need some reframes. Having said that, this is a radical opportunity for change. So something in complexity theory that's very cool is the fact that a lot of people, You, I believe in in having a dream and going for it. But I also believe that toxic positivity, again, saying all you need to if you believe hard enough, you can do anything. I don't believe that that's right because there are things outside your control in life that can happen. And if you don't achieve it because of something outside your control, you blame yourself for not believing hard enough where that may not be accurate, right? You may have literally believed in yourself perfectly. So I think it's better to say, you can achieve your full potential if you believe in yourself enough, right? It's that's a slightly different and And so then you can look at your perfect goal and say, well, actually at the moment, maybe I can't get there from where I am right now. The context I'm in, things have changed. There may be a chasm I can't cross to get there, but that's where you can look at emergent opportunities to find new pathways or even new goals that may be even better than the one you found originally, because you've evolved, you've moved on, you've learned. Maybe now, actually, maybe I don't want a shop that does this, maybe I can find ways to make people's lives better through this service and I can transition. There's a whole load of things you can do around this, but it's appropriate context.
0: Well, where would somebody, this is kind of a tough question to ask, Um, so they don't know you, they don't know a lot of people with that type of voice in their life. Where would someone find the the oomph, the grit, the gusto, the desire, the inspiration, the whatever, to be able to go to that place when you feel defeated, when you feel lost, when you feel like there's nothing left, right? Um, where would someone, in your opinion, find find a, a, something like that or somebody like you or somebody like me or other people that can help offer an, an outside you know an, an external uh, influence for an internal impact right so w- what would you suggest to folks that might be listening today that are going man chris you are really singing my song so you know what would that be
1: so i would say there are a few things um one of them i've kind of already mentioned but it's i think this is really important right The idea that there is no failure, there is only feedback. The failure comes from not listening to the feedback and repeating mistakes or compounding them or or whatever. You know, failure is not really failure. Like when you fail at something, it's telling you what you need to do to succeed. So if you feel like you can't go anywhere and you need to do something, look at look at the failures, not as, you know, don't, don't necessarily look for, mecha- we've been taught to look for mechanisms for success, which is fine. But you also should look at things um, as mechanisms for making failure transparent so you can respond appropriately. So you can start working to fix what you've got. So having that kind of reframe, you know, things may not be good at the moment. And it. I struggle with it every day as well. Like I struggle from massive imposter. And most people don't know this, you know, huge imposter syndrome. I've always had it. It's just the way I am, you know. And so looking at your past successes and saying, well, I did these things and I learned these things and looking at your failures and saying, these were lessons, you know. Failure should be a lesson, not a lessening. That's one of the things I truly believe, right? Mm-hmm. So that's something I would say is-, is it's like it's that's a good one. Say it again, Chris. So, failure should be a lesson and not a lessening. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff.
0: So, uh, uh, yeah.
1: what you're talking about sounds like <laughs> uh,
0: obviously would be fear um, and, and pride. Mm. Um, I think probably those are the two strongest words <laughs> for, for someone who is not willing to uh, be transparent with failure or failure mm. in life. Um, and obviously, there's ways to overcome uh, those two those two barriers, right? So, you know, we just have a couple of minutes left. You know, what would be a couple of things you would you would suggest if someone is wrestling with with fear and, or pride? You and by the way, if you're watching or listening to this today, you know if it's you, if it's you, <laughs> and it's fear or pride. I'm not telling you have to go online and post, right? Yeah, Matt, that was me, and blah blah blah. I'm just saying, listen for just a second. And maybe this will help. Right. And Chris, I hope it's really good. Whatever you're about to say.
1: <laughs> OK, so I would say, look, look at yourself and the patterns that you, you fall into and try to step outside those patterns. The, the way you always react to fear, the way you always react to failure, the way you always feel when you feel adrift. The only way that you find like you have to start moving. It doesn't matter what direction it is because you can modify it later. The only way to get out of chaos and, and stop just being adrift in limbo is to start moving because as soon as you start moving, you've picked a direction. After that, you actually can start modifying, gauging where you are, working out the best direction to take. So trust yourself. You know, you you, you do sometimes have the answers and you just feel like you don't. I, I struggle with this a lot, you know. I'm like, oh, you know, second guessing, whatever. Sometimes just, just trust yourself. And then the last thing I would say is, and I think I sent you this a while ago, Matt, it was uh, be Kintsugi. Kintsugi is the the Japanese art of repairing pots or whatever that have been broken with gold lacquer and whatever. And it's understanding, you know, it's okay not to be okay. Don't worry about the the pride side of things because everyone is not okay sometimes, right? You shouldn't hide the damage that's been part of you because it is part of you, suppressing it, repressing it. They're not good things to do. They are. It's actually part of your new, unique beauty. You know, we've all been broken at some point in our lives, or we will be, and taking that damage, that breaking, and making it a new part of your unique strength going forward. That's part of your lesson, right? So, be sugi is kind of probably where I can end it.
0: Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah. I loved it yeah. when you shared that yeah. with me. It's just so powerful and such a beautiful picture to consider actually on the repair shop the other day, I saw an episode and they had brought in this uh, really incredible vase vase, however you want to say it. It's probably about I guess three, three vase, probably about <laughs> three or four feet tall, right? I don't know what that is in, in uh, metric, three or four feet. I don't know, maybe a, a meter tall or something like that or less. But anyway, it was, it was big. And uh, it had gotten dropped and broken many places. And it was like three generations old extremely detailed with a uh, uh, Herman the German who slaughtered three uh, three legions of Roman soldiers where really close to the fall of the Roman Empire where they didn't think they were defeatable. And this guy, Herman the German, came in and just literally, that was his name. this was what he went by, Herman the German, came to and just <laughs> slaughtered them in the in the forests of Germany. So anyway, this whole story depicted everything. And it was just cracked everywhere, broken all over the place. And they had tried to have some repairs in the past and there's a bunch of cracks in it and what you just said about musugi a minute ago is amazing because you can see uh, without going so much into it but it is a great thing to learn about um, with those cracks and something like that vase that beautiful piece of whatever it would be or or uh, pottery or whatever instead of just throwing it away or gluing a crack that looks obvious like that it's just a crack they made it a, a part of it's mm-hmm. part of life it became it became art it became a moment uh, it became a memory. It became a benchmark for something, right? And uh, this other vase that they they repaired uh, perfectly. It looked like it was brand new. the The artist was amazing. The way she touched it up it was beautiful. It was a great job. But then there were no more scars left. There was there was no other stories to be told. It was just You've lost nothing. part of the story, right? It lost part of its story. Although yeah. it, was, it was meant to be beautiful, it still was a lost part of its story. Where in another case on the same show. Um, and if you haven't watched the show yet, you should. I love it. So this one other <laughs> show, uh, there's a family who was uh, near uh, Shef- is Sheffield or Cheshire or some place in, the- in the U.K. There's
1: a lot what, of places what, in the U.K.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it was Sheffield. Um, got bombed during the World War II. And the entire family was killed minus one little girl who happened to be this gentleman's mother who has all since passed on. And the only thing that was survived the whole place was a music box that the whole family used to have in the house that would play songs. And they all listened to it, brothers, sisters, mother, <laughs> father, and, you know, no television back then. So they just had that as entertainment. So when the guy brought it back in, he says, I, I don't want it. I don't want it restored. I want you to keep all the scratches, all the dents, all the dings. I just would like it to be able to be working again and usable. And they had to clean the guts because there's no other way to make a music, a music box works other than to clean it. But they just, you know, wiped down the box. And when he gave it back to him at the reveal, it was still a beat up old box. When you opened it up, it played a beautiful song. It was amazing to watch this whole moment that, that transpired. So I would think in some people's lives, as we're kind of going over time here today, my fault, it should be less like the vase that was made perfect. And I understand why the, the people wanted that, but... I think it's more like, in, in life, it's more like that music box, wouldn't you think?
1: But, but think about the last thing you said there, making the vase perfect again. The cracks are still there, and actually that that can add fragility to it, because if you don't know the cracks are there and you don't know that it, it maybe has weaknesses it didn't have before, it may be more easy to break. You know, it, it's it, hiding those kind of things hides part of the story, and it can it can basically add future fragility. I think exposing there's no shame in having been broken because we've all been there.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a a great place for us to end right there today. (laughs) And and my gosh, I mean, I know between the two of us, we could talk for hours and we probably have to do another episode of some sort in in the near future because it's just so fun to talk. But um, thanks so much for being with us here today, Chris. So Pleasure. For folks that may be interested in in uh, learning more about you or finding out about your services, um, obviously you know here on LinkedIn. But um, can you let folks know where to come? And I'll you know I'll put that up here when we're when this all edited and we have it going on there. But uh, can you can you share that with everybody?
1: Yeah, sure. So I can I can give you the uh, the the TEDx talk. You know how to fall in love with collaboration. Um, I can post i can give you the the link for the kintsugi video a few other bits there's loads of stuff on that channel the gentle iconoclast um <laughs> and um but also i've got involvemetraining.com which is my my kind of my site which um i i get some people coming to me through a lot of people come to me through linkedin um and then if you really like fantasy as well you can also look at christopherbranley.com because i know like uh, Ooh, know, other stuff. <laughs> yeah dragons and people hitting each other with axes i sometimes feel Aww. like this is needed in the office a lot more but <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh wait we gotta do another show because yeah. folks don't even know some of the stuff that you and i could talk about with your swords and the star wars and all that yes yes and all the dragons and all, oh yeah 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 we we gotta go there for sure so we'll do another episode soon on that one if you'll be willing to come back and we'll do okay. another show uh,
1: always we'll love to about. yeah
0: All right. So then thanks again, Chris, for being here. And thank you everybody else for being here a little bit longer than we usually are today, but it's been, it's been worth it. It's been great. And I surely hope that you found some value here today at Matt chat lives daily. And uh, we come to you every week and I'm looking forward to uh, by the grace of God coming back to you another week sometime soon too. So uh, we'll see you again the next time. Thanks again, Chris, for being here today.
1: Pleasure.